Anthony on Air Podcast. We are back for another Ghislaine Maxwell day four trial recap. We are recapping every single day on the podcast. So make sure you're subscribed, whether you watch on YouTube or Facebook, subscribe, hit the bell, get the notifications. Or if you're listening to the podcast via Google, Stitcher, Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, wherever you are consuming our content, we appreciate it. Make sure you're subscribed because we are recapping every single day of the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. Uh, check out our past episodes for days one through three. We hop into day four with three massages a day. Uh, several uh, witnesses in the witness box during the trial today. Uh, we're going to go through all of it for you here on this episode of the podcast. Uh, so, of course, make sure you guys like and share on social media. That is always very much appreciated. Uh, the day started with some uh, expert testimony from Lisa Rocio. Just before that was a witness called by the name of Paul Kane. This was a fairly quick testimony here. He's the director of finance from a New York City professional children's school. He was basically there to introduce an application uh, for the 12th grade student, which stated uh, financial responsibilities by Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, so this is clearly a uh, move by the prosecution here just to kind of show coming off of Jane's testimony in the first couple of days and how he, uh, you know, was involved in interlocking and, you know, paid for room and board for some students, most notably Jane, uh, that this was a uh, pattern of sorts, if you will. Uh, that gets backed up with Lisa Rocio's or Rocio. I apologize to her if I'm mispronouncing her name, her testimony. Uh, she's government expert, a clinical psychologist. She spoke about the grooming process amongst abusers. She talked about how, amongst other things, uh, perpetrators always find a way to access victims that won't be questioned. Um, what was interesting about Lisa's testimony is she was very engaging for the entire time she was on the witness stand. She had direct eye contact with multiple jurors. She made sure to keep explaining to them, maintaining eye contact as she was talking about the grooming process. She broke it down to uh, five stages of grooming, selection and identification of victims, stage one, stage two, obtaining access to victims, stage three, lies, deception, and manipulation, uh, stage four, desensitization to uh, sexual content, and stage five, maintaining control. Um, when she was explaining number three, uh, several courtroom reporters noted one of the jurors, a female juror, nodding as she was moving through the process. So I don't know what that means, if there's a pass there uh, with that particular juror, but uh, it seems like she was aware or at least connecting with these five stages of uh, breaking down or targeting a uh, victim. Uh, all very interesting. Obviously, we saw this in uh, all the allegations that we've been talking about over the last year, year and a half, as we've been discussing Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. Um, we uh, talked about this with Jane's testimony, how she was identified out of the crowd and selected. Her father was ill. He had just passed away. Her mother came from a financially strapped family. Um, they got access to her being a part of the interlock in school. 
came in, told her all sorts of lies, deception, manipulation about who they knew. You know, I, I, we've been talking about this for a couple of days, you know, uh, some of the stories and the fact that, you know, Epstein and Maxwell dropped Donald Trump's name, Bill Clinton's name. Uh, they took her to Mike Wallace's party. You know, all these are just moves, deception, manipulation, step three here. These are all moves, you know, for, uh, you know, uh, an abuser. Because if you think about the fact that adults feel the need to, you know, impress a 13, 14 year old, that's not normal behavior. You shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't have to do that. You know, normal adults don't feel the need to wow, you know, a 14 year old girl. So that would definitely be step three. Desensitization and, uh, to sexual content. We talked about this even in Jane's testimony from a day or so ago where she would walk by the pool and there would be several topless women there. Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell said uh, something to the effect of, you know, when you have sex with somebody, they're grandfathered in, then you can have sex with them at any time. So there's these little, little tidbits, little things dropped in. Again, desensitization. Uh, to uh, sexual content and, of course, uh, maintaining control. Um, after uh, Lisa's testimony, the big, uh, the big witness of the day for sure was Juan Alessi. We talked about Juan Alessi. He was the um, house attendant, I guess you would say, butler, maid, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but he was responsible primarily for Epstein's Palm Beach house. Um, they submitted some uh, blueprints of the house as evidence. Um, Alessi said during his testimony that he was the one who painted the house pink for Epstein. I got to say, you know, it's uh, I think it was in the Netflix documentary where we got to see the house for the first time. The house looked like shit to me. I mean, you know, you got this billionaire person and there was all this sort of just gaudy cheesy just really shitty awful and i know that's not a big deal in the grand scheme of things you know guy's got no character but i think it does speak to the character of the person you know that he there was no class here at all you know obviously uh, the type of person he is now we know there was really no class but um and there's no way of that being a tall tale sign of what was to come for a lot of these people but i mean looking back on it you can't help but notice some of you know the pink house you know I understand that's a thing down in Florida, Miami. I get it. But, you know, when you looked at some of the, the, the way that home was decorated and some of the way this guy, you know, carried himself, it's, you know, again, easy to Monday morning quarterback, but a lot of the signs were there that this was just a shitty, shitty person. Um, <clears throat> they uh, discussed the drawing of the first floor of the house, uh, second floor of the house. It was basically a lot of foundational testimony. Um, he told the juror, uh, that he'll be 72 years old in a couple of weeks. He's from Ecuador referring to Maxwell. Alessi said that she called him John Epstein called him John and his name is Juan. Uh, he said about Maxwell that she was a pretty girl, tall brunette. He recalled Maxwell being with Epstein 95% of the time. Uh, Leslie described his relationship with Epstein as initially cordial. When Maxine came in, it turned professional. He says Maxine told him that Jeffrey does not like to be looked at in the eyes. 
hours were long between 5 a.m. to 9 and 10 p.m. at night. That is crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, you know, we talked about this in the past of wondering who was working for this guy, butlers and drivers and airline pilots. And, you know, Juan has spoken out a, a couple of times before. Uh, first time we've seen him on a witness stand. Um, and you kind of get an idea of like, why didn't these people say anything or what was happening? You know, and it was interesting as we'll talk about in a little bit here, but he actually, they, they flew him to, uh, I don't want to get it too ahead of my nose, but they flew him to New Mexico to go through a training program on how to, uh, operate Epstein's house. You know, he was told not to look at Epstein in the eyes. He was told not to speak unless spoken to. He was told that if somebody were to call the house, you take a message. You never tell them what uh, Epstein or Maxwell were doing. And no matter how many times that they would be bullied, you know, because you got to imagine some powerful people are calling these you know, people up. You can't just be like, oh, we'll take a message. Like, I'm sure some people got pushy and nasty. And we're like, I want to speak to them right now. And they were instructed under no circumstances. Do you share what they're doing? What's going on? You know, it reminds me of, uh, what's his name? The guy that was running the pyramid scheme there, Madoff. You know, how departments were kept separate from each other. Nobody knew what the other person was really doing. He was, you know, you know, this is how you control people. You divide them. You keep them separate. You scare them. You know, and, uh, and you know, anybody who's worked for a living knows 9 to 5 is the gig, and that could be tough enough for a lot of people. 5 a.m. to 9, 10 o'clock at night, those are some insane hours. Absolutely insane hours. Uh, when Alessi first identified Maxwell in the morning, he appeared to struggle for a moment. Maxwell's face was obscured by a face mask, but as their eyes met, she nodded at him. Uh, I think she is with the black sweater, he said, correctly identifying Maxwell in the courthouse. Um, um, he spoke about, you know, again, some of the things that he had to do. The cars had to be immaculate. The house had to be run like a five-star hotel. Um, he spoke a little bit here during the morning session. He came back in the afternoon session for some more testimony. He told uh, the court that Epstein and uh, Maxwell would sleep in Epstein's bedroom. Alessi said he would see many, many, many females in Epstein's house. He said, I don't have an exact count on the many's, um, how many there were, but there were a lot, obviously. Most of them appeared to be in their late 20s. He said around 20, he said. Asked if the females by the pool, if there were females by the pool, he replied, I saw them hundreds of times by the pool. Asked what percentage of the time they were topless, he said about 75 to 80% of the time. He asked how many times he uh, personally flew on Epstein's plane. Uh, Alessi initially responded none. Then he corrected himself, and he said he did take a ride on Epstein's first plane, the Hawker. Uh, he didn't hitch a ride on Epstein's uh, other uh, planes, a Boeing and a Gulfstream, as they had previously discussed in court. Unless he complained about the lengthy checklist of tasks they had him perform, which he said uh, was made for 10 men, not one and a half. He called it very degrading. Um, on uh, direct examination, uh, one of the lawyers, Plaglukia, excuse me, uh, he clarifies the date that he left Epstein's employment, which was in 2002. Uh, Comey, uh, who was 
James Comey's daughter. A lot of people seem to be very upset that James Comey's daughter is involved in this trial. Um, I understand the conspiracy theory connections there. Uh, I don't know really what it means. Could be absolutely nothing. Could be, you know, if you have a conspiracy theory on these two, uh, father and daughter, knowing, you know, okay. Uh, you know, I, I don't know there's much here. I want to focus a bit more on the trial, but it, you know, I mean, the girl's a girl's a lawyer. I don't know what really to say. Um, but they talked more about his responsibilities and how he was handled. He had a very see nothing, say nothing approach. He was going through this like employment guide that he had, uh, that he had gotten from Ghislaine Maxwell, asked what he understood, uh, what that meant to respect their privacy. He said, quote, I was supposed to be blind, deaf, and to say nothing. Never disclose Mr. Epstein or Maxwell's whereabouts or activities. Um, he also, one of his responsibilities was to check the fence for holes where Max can get out. Uh, Max, as we learned, was Ghislaine Maxwell's Yorkie. Um, in Jane's testimony, she testified that when she met Maxwell, she was walking with a cute little Yorkie. So that was, uh, you know, one of those points where Alessi's testimony backs up uh, Jane's testimony and what she'd been saying. Alessi was talking about two girls who he said appeared to be underage. Uh, they asked him, who did you meet first, Jane or Virginia? He responded, Jane. His description of her was a uh, beautiful girl, blue eyes, long brunette hair, tall, very pleasant. Uh, Alessi testified that he saw Jane with Maxwell and Epstein when she wasn't there uh, with her mother. Alessi says he remembers picking up Jane in the School of the Arts. Flashback to Jane's testimony. Yesterday, they asked uh, if he remembered a Latin American driver with Mr. Epstein driving them to the airport. Uh, she did. Uh, Alessi has been corrobor Alessi corroborated a lot of Jane's testimony throughout the course of the uh, afternoon. Asked if he ever remembers Maxwell, Epstein, and Jane going to the movies. Alessi replied, yes, they went to the movies. He also testified about seeing Virginia Giuffre at Mar-a-Lago. That's President Donald Trump's club. Um, about Virginia Roberts, he said that she looked young. She had blonde hair. She had long white uniform like a nurse's outfit. Alessi says that Epstein received up to three massages a day. Uh, Epstein would get his massage in the morning, in the afternoon, and after dinner, sometimes after the movies. Three times in a day. We talked about this on a previous podcast every day to have some sort of some sort of this activity that that uh, you know we all can assume went on in uh, Epstein's home feels kind of crazy you know especially for a man of his age I mean he wasn't 90 but still but three times a day now I don't know if horrible misconduct happened three times a day I don't know if some of these were just straight up massages or whatever the case may be but that seems like a lot. Even if they were all just pure legitimate massages, three times a day seems like a lot. When you throw in what we know happened with some of these women, that seems like an awful, awful lot. Again, the grades of shittiness, even knowing all that we know about Epstein, just continue to amaze at times as we go through you know, some of these stories. Like It really is 
just unbelievable. I, I continue to be amazed, even though I know I shouldn't be, at just how shitty this guy really was. Um, Alessi testified that he remembered seeing Jane's name in a directory. Uh, Comey has Alexi, Alessi examine the directory. They take an afternoon recess. Uh, when they come back, uh, Comey continues to question. Um, Paglu, Paguka, which is Maxwell's lawyer, challenges the admission of an exhibit. Uh, before the trial, Maxwell's defense team challenged the admission of uh, a government exhibit 52, alleging that it was clearly altered. It was a letter. Um, let me see here. I have this somewhere else. Okay. It was a letter to the Honorable Judge Allison Nathan, um, re United States, uh, for the case. Uh, let me see here. There was, it was, uh, from the, uh, Maxwell team. Uh, I'll surmise it really quickly here. Judge Nathan, there are two fundamental flaws with the government's evidentiary proffer regarding exhibit 52. First, as a matter of fact, government exhibit 52 was not something that the cooperating government witness reviewed, used, saw during her brief employment with the Epstein, with Jeffrey Epstein, Records produced in discovery reflect that witness began working for Epstein uh, in the year is redacted. At that point, the suspect source of government exhibit 52, Alfredo Rodriguez, was not employed by Epstein because he had been fired in 2004. According to Mr. Rodriguez, when he left the Epstein home, he took an address book, which he claimed was Epstein's book, and it had to possess, and he had it in his possession until 2009 when he tried to sell it to Brad Edwards for $50,000. The book was clearly altered by Mr. Rodriguez. The single page that the government intends to offer has various handwritten notations on the copy. The book as an entire document contains numerous handwritten notations, added tabs, and additional handwritten pages. The government does not explain how one selected page uh, is authentic and does not identify uh, the basis for the witness's testimony in the book. Okay, so basically this directory here, they say that this uh, other employer, uh, employee, I should say, excuse me, uh, wrote and scribbled on it and whatever he did. Um, the other big shocker for the day here, Alessi describes cleaning up after Epstein's massages. We've heard this before. I mean, if you're just new to the, to the, the trial here and you're following it all for the first time, some of this is going to be new to you. People have been with us and we've talked about this trial for a while. A year or so ago is when we started. You can go back, by the way, on YouTube or Facebook or the podcast, the audio side, and listen to all our podcasts on this. Uh, just search Anthony on Eric Elaine Maxwell or Epstein. All of this, all that will come up. Uh, he remembers finding a large toy. Okay, you know what that is. Uh, after cleaning up one of Epstein's massages. Uh, Comey asked, what did it look like? He described it as looking like a man's part. Uh, a huge one with two heads. Unless he says that he put it in Maxwell's bathroom in a, bas in a basket because that's where it was. Um, a lot of this sort of, you know, discussion of what was found in the room sort of continued. There's no real reason to go into details. It was debaucherous. You guys can imagine, I'm sure. Um... They asked why Alessi left the employment of Epstein. He said, I was sick and I was also very tired of the job. Alessi admits that he did at one point steal money from Epstein's house at a time when his marriage was on the rocks and he was financially struggling. Uh, they asked about how much he took. He said it was about $6,300. 
He also said he paid it back and he never saw Epstein again. Um, rather than start cross-examination with 13 minutes remaining in the day, uh, court adjourned. Uh, so Alessi will be picked up on the stand tomorrow. Um, he also testified to, in addition to finding the, I want to mention this too because I skipped over a bunch of stuff. Uh, in addition to finding the toy, uh, he found a lot of uh, massagers, you know, electric massagers and vibrators uh, that uh, were different sizes, um, which was another point. Of, I bring it up because it was a, another corroboration for Jane because she admitted to having those uh, devices uh, used on her as well. So that was another moment where he, uh, what he was testifying about uh, backs up some of the things that Jane was saying. Uh, so that was Alessi's um, testimony in a nutshell. Um, he also referred to Ghislaine Maxwell as the lady of the house. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we missed there. I find it interesting, though, too, that this guy was a... Here's what I'm fascinated by. It was my assumption, and perhaps foolishly so, that the people that worked for him were incredibly well compensated for keeping their mouth shut. You know, you'd think if you have a billionaire like this guy that he would um, pay extraordinarily well. Like, again, I hate to... I don't know why I'm drawing parallels to Bernie Madoff here a bunch, but you know, Bernie Madoff's secretary made a shit ton of money, like way more than any other secretary. Usually secretaries at places that are doing a lot of illegal shit tend to make more money, you know? Um, you kind of have to pay for that discretion. The fact that this guy was having money trouble, I mean, I don't know what kind of lifestyle he had, but uh, you know, or the fact that he made him work from five in the morning till nine, ten o'clock at night, you know. I, I, it feels foolish. And, you know, it feels a little foolish. Like if I'm if I'm doing illegal shit, you think you gotta like I gotta take care of my people, you know, whatever it is, you know, to make sure that they don't, you know, go running off and uh, you know, go telling on me. Right? I mean, it seems it just it seems brazenly stupid. Um, but I, I don't think it's stupid. I think it speaks to Epstein's attitude of himself that he can flat out do anything he was rich he had connections and he certainly wasn't going to let any staffer you know get in the way of that um again I, this behavior surprises me all across the board in a lot of different ways i'm constantly again surprised and shocked you know because just of his just brazen attitude of himself I mean, the fact that they have a household manual. I mean, who knows? I guess maybe this is a common thing amongst rich people when you're running four houses and you got a ton of employees. You know, most jobs have employee manuals. I get that, you know. But again, the fact that they had an employee manual kind of seems uh, surprising. You know, seems a little shocking and surprising. Um, I want to address this too, because I know a lot of people get upset at Alessi. You know, Virginia Roberts Jufree called him out at one point, basically saying that, you know, he was the answer to, you know, all of their suffering and he could corroborate all these things and he really wasn't, you know, you could think what you want about Alessi, you know, people kind of like defend him as this poor, you know, immigrant who just got a job and didn't know any better and, 
you know, I, I can see that side of it. And, you know, some of the people are saying, well, he couldn't have possibly been there for all those years and seen all those young girls and not feel like something was wrong and say something. And I could see that side of it too. Um, but I will say, at least the guy showed up in court and at least he said what he said and he was honest a little bit. The fact that he was able to corroborate some of the things that Jane says, I think is uh, very powerful and uh, you know speaks to the prosecution's case and uh, will help get a favorable verdict in this in this case because you know when you have accusations and allegations and they did this to me and they did this to me and they did this to me, okay, that's one thing and it's kind of he said she said and when you have other people going, well, I did see this person and I did see these items and and yes, this is kind of the way it was it kind of fills in that picture a little bit and again corroborates and brings some legitimacy to some of the other testimony uh, that they would uh, see. Um, so, and I will say good move too in the prosecution, having Lisa come in and then testify on how it all works. And then, you know, on top of Jane's testimony yesterday, and then you bring in Juan and now you're like kind of showing, well, here's, you know, here's this part of it and here's this side of it. And, you know, this is what his job was to do and all that. And, you know, um, smart move. I think it was a good day for the prosecution today. I think it was a really, really good day. Uh, but phew, three massages a day. I mean, mind-blowing, you know, completely, completely uh, mind-blowing. And the say nothing, see nothing, you know, kind of attitude, respecting their privacy, like these people thought they were better than, you know, the people that they had working for them. You know, no doubt about it. They thought they were better, 100%. Thought they could do whatever the hell they wanted as well. Um, weird that she nodded at him too, right? In, at, the, in the in the time of the proceedings that she not, uh, she nodded at him. I don't know if that was a good move for her necessarily. Uh, there you have it. That is day four of the Glenn Maxwell trial. Uh, by the way, if you've enjoyed our coverage, don't forget to join our sponsor. Uh, patronize them if you can. Jumpstart Coffee is our proud sponsor. Let me tell you about this coffee company here. 50% of what this company makes, they give to the Navy SEAL Foundation. That's extraordinary. The people that fight for our freedoms every single day then have to get back into the world and live for the rest of their lives. They need help, especially later on. Navy SEAL Foundation brings them that help. Jumpstart Coffee Company gives 50% of what they make to the Navy SEAL Foundation. That's extraordinary. So if you enjoy this podcast, you enjoy your freedoms, grab a couple of bags of Jumpstart Coffee Company with the link in the description of this episode, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you're listening, there's a link in the description, or you can click on the banner on the homepage of anthonyonair.com. Use the promo code AOA15 and you'll save 15% off of an order. If your order is more than 50 bucks after you've applied your discount code, Jumpstart Coffee Company is going to pick up the tab on your shipping. And I also want to let you know that they have a save and subscribe feature where you can say, hey, I drink, uh, I know I go through two bags of these a month or a bag and a half a month or whatever it is. And you can have a couple of bags, three bags, four bags, whatever you guys do, one bag a month delivered to your home each and every single month. So you never have to worry about, oh my God, I'm running out of coffee. I got to go to the store for coffee. By the way, the store, coffee at the store, 
really shitty compared to what they got over at Jumpstart. This is, if you're drinking Folgers or some of that other shit, you don't even know. You don't even know. There is deliciousness waiting for you. And at the end of the day, it ain't, a, it ain't much money compared to what you're paying for the shitty Folgers um, and what you're getting with that. So grab some Jumpstart Coffee Company. Link in the description. Promo code AOA15. Save 15% off. Uh, and don't forget, we're wrapping up uh, Cyber Week here where our uh, merchandise at shopanthonyonair.com is also 15% off. Promo code TWSS15. What does that stand for, Ant? That's what she said. That's what she said. TWSS15. 15% off the entire shopanthonyonair.com merch store. We got a lot of great merch up there right now. J. Sabs, Frankie C, Anthony Silhouette shirt. Uh, we brought back just for this week the Cyber uh, Cyber Week. The That's what she said. Merchandise is back up there. We got mugs and coffee tumblers and all sorts of great items. Uh, so grab a couple of things from the shopanthonyonair.com store. Uh, they make great gifts. You won't regret it. And lots of people listen, watch the podcast. Uh, I'm sure they would love to receive some of that stuff. For if you think if you're like oh I I watch the podcast all the time my husband doesn't he doesn't know what to get me yeah, drop him a line let him know hey couple shirts and sweatshirts nice nice little hoodie keep me warm during the holidays maybe your girlfriend's looking for something for you too you can uh, grab some merch over at the store do it now save the fifteen percent uh, that will end as the week ends uh, one last note here uh, Galen's brother spoke after yesterday's. Uh, proceedings. I was surprised to see this. Um, I hated that the press gave him the opportunity to speak, but I understand. I mean, if the guy's going to talk, it's news. So you got to let him talk. Uh, I'm not going to play the clip for you. He spoke for about 90 seconds and he basically said that it was good to see his sister. He hadn't seen her in about 500 days in person. The marshals let them speak for a brief moment. Um, and that he wasn't going to comment on the trial or have any more comment further uh, to uh, have some respect for the process. Very polished, very calculated. And, um, you know, obviously uh, the lawyers, Ghislaine's lawyers, you know, I, they've been coordinating with this guy from the beginning. Him talking about her, you know, her uh, situation in prison and the conditions and all that shit. Um, you know, they've been working together, the brother and, uh, and the defense team for, for a while now. Uh, the sister was also by his side. They were kind of harassing her on the way into court yesterday morning. So I think this was also a move to kind of keep that, you know, calm to keep that, you know, pretty much quiet to a minimum. Uh, that's it for us. Day five recap tomorrow, Friday episode, Frankie C. J. Sams will be back. We'll do the full episode. So. Uh, for those of you who are new to the show, uh, you know, obviously we've been talking about Ghislaine for a while now, so we're going to cover every single day. But Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we do a normal show, so we'll do some Ghislaine recap up front, and then we'll talk about the rest of the day's news, goof around, and have a little bit of fun as well. So make sure you stick around for that. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, regular. Tuesday and Thursday, I'll just be here doing a quick recap for you of the day's events so you don't miss out on anything. We tried to call it two-minute Tuesday and three-minute Thursday, but so far in the first week, both of these quick recaps have been about a half hour. But there's a lot of stuff going on, and I don't want you to miss it. So that's why they've been long. Um, 
share this around. Let your friends know. A lot of people have been thanking us for our coverage. I appreciate that. A lot of people say, nobody's covering this. Mainstream media is not talking about it enough. Only talking about the Omicron. Here we are. Here's all the information. We're covering it. You're upset about it. Do your part. Share it on social media. Okay? Hit that share button right now. Hit the like button on YouTube. We've, we get thousands upon thousands of views. We get a few hundred likes. You got to like the YouTube thing. It's a pain in the ass. I hate it too. It helps the algorithm. What do you want from me? Hit the like button. Make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. Make sure you're following on Facebook if that's where you prefer. And of course, obviously on all the audio platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the rest. Appreciate you guys. We'll catch you Friday. I will actually be on the road. Um, but Frankie C and both JSABs will be with us. So uh, we'll have a nice little show. Day five recap and so much more. Catch you on the next one.